Wow. I don't get to be up here very often, so bear with me, would you? Mike, you better start that clock or I'm going to go way over time. So I thought it was kind of interesting as, as Tim was talking about a marriage conference. I've been to a few of those, um, and they're always beneficial. But it's kind of like reading God's Word or listening to one of Tim's sermons on a Sunday. Guys, if you don't take what you're being taught or talked to about here today and apply it, nothing's going to change. It's, it's just not going to change. So I'm thrilled to be able to be here today. And it was really, Mark was here um, it was interesting, very seldom am I, or Mary and I in a room where someone else has been married longer than we have. He's been, he was married 41 years. Mary and I were married, you got the picture? I'm gonna throw it up there real quick. We've been married, yeah, yeah take a look at that, huh? So, <laughs> yeah. So we've got, we've got 40 years coming up in March. Um, it was very interesting as he talked about how he and Christina met. They met in a Bible study. Mary and I met somewhere else that starts with a B, but it wasn't a Bible study. You get it? A, yeah, one of those, a bar, just in case you didn't get that. Um, I didn't fall immediately in love with Mary. Uh, in that bar, she was actually working. I was um, probably consuming at that point in time. And uh, I saw across the room the most beautiful woman I had ever seen. And she had on white go-go boots and white hot pants. And I was like, <laughs> you know, here I am, this froed out dude from Nebraska. I'd like never even seen anything like that. I'm going, whoa. Anyway, so we didn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily fall in love with Mary first. I fell in lust with Mary first. And the other thing that we, uh, the big difference that we had going on in our relationship at that point in time we didn't know Jesus. Um, both of us, uh, I mean, I go into that. I'm not going to go into a ton of deal, a, a ton about that whole story. But neither of us were saved at that point in time. Um, I thought I was because I went to church. Uh, I was a pretty good kid in high school. Um, Mary thought she was because, I don't know, why did you? She grew up Jewish, believe it or not. So we sat down with, uh, we sat down with a Presbyterian minister who did all of like 10 minutes of premarital counseling with us before he'd do our, our wedding. And somehow in that time, I don't know, Mary, he said, okay, I'll marry the two of you. But anyway, what you've got to hear first out of the box is, I, I know we're preaching to the choir here probably, but marriage is probably going to be, it's already difficult. It's going to be really difficult if you don't have Jesus as the center of your life. That was probably why ours was incredibly tough. But anyway, I, I just, a few things come out from looking at that picture. One, once a goofball, always a goofball. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was pretty cool. You know, I had the mustache. No, there was no hair right in the middle. I, I couldn't grow it. We were 21 at that point in time. So um, the big afro was pretty cool back then. Mutton chops, you might be able to see those. And it's really apparent that I married way, way up the food chain. There's no, no question about that. And a couple of other things that, that really popped for me as I was looking at that picture brings back a lot, a lot of memories. But um, time flies by. Guys, James talks about that and says that time is like vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. And it really does. I look at that picture, and it seems really like it was just yesterday. It truly does. I already told you that I married way up. Um, Guys, in these 40 years, or almost 40 years, it's been messy. It's been, your phone's ringing, you are such a douche. 
It's actually my mom. I should probably take it. No. Anyway, um, it's been messy. It's been gritty. It's been hard. And there was a time um, in our relationship, in, mar- in our marriage, we, we were horrible at conflict. We just had conflict really all the time. We had no idea how to deal with that. But there was a time, guys, where, and this is not just a statement, this is a literal fact, we were done. We really were. Bags were packed. And we were going, I I get emotional about it. We were done, but God has taken that and redeemed that and grown this into something that I think um, is pretty spectacular. Not easy. Don't get me wrong. Even after 40 years, it's not easy. It's hard. But isn't everything that's hard worth it? At some point in time, it truly is worth it. So I'm thrilled that there's a bunch of singles in there. I saw the, name, the, the hands go up because I don't know whether when Mary and I were young in our marriage, first off, again, we weren't saved, but, and we were obviously weren't going to church. My church was uh, the couch with football on Sundays. That was my deal. But um, we didn't have the advantage of, of, of going to these marriage-type enrichment sessions. They might have been out there. We didn't go. You guys are here. I love the fact that you're all investing. Singles, this is awesome. Because now you, at some point in time, Lord willing, will be able to walk into a marriage and hopefully do it right, at least part of the time. And this doesn't have anything to do with conflict, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this question out for all of you singles before I get into the rest of it. Great question. You may have heard it, but a great question to ask yourself as a single, as you're walking down that path, hopefully, to marriage. Would I marry me? Think about that a minute. Would I marry me? Why or why not? That'll, that one will get you a little bit. So anyway, um, I, so it's interesting. I'm sandwiched between love, as Mark did that so well, and sex that Tim gets to talk about. I don't know why we didn't flip that, but uh, <laughs> it's interesting. So what I can tell you, singles, uh, you don't get to plug your ears during this, but he, he talked about purity before marriage. Make sure you're doing that. Um, but you, those of you that are married or do get married, if you don't figure out how to get conflict handled, how to deal with it well, and deal with it consistently, the next session with Tim, you're not going to get that. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Maybe totally inappropriate, but hey, that's, the, that's kind of the filter. <laughs> that's kind of the filter that I'm rolling with, okay? So anyway... Um, Guys, I just know that God has taken what was so broken in our marriage, and he's done something so amazing in that. So no matter where you are in your marriage currently, if your marriage is really struggling right now, what I'm going to talk about, I believe, can take a, a, a marriage that really kind of stinks and move it into a place where it's a better marriage. It can take a marriage that's kind of average, and I don't believe God ever, ever intended our marriages to be average. He wants our marriages to be extraordinary because it's a direct reflection of who he is in our lives. People are, if you're, if you're, if you're, shouldn't be an even if. If you love Jesus and you're serving Jesus and people are observing your marriage in Jesus and you're doing it well and it's extraordinary, they're watching you. They really are. They're wondering how you handle conflict. They're wondering why what you're doing, why your marriage is so good. It's a great opportunity to say, my marriage is good. 
because we have Jesus at the center of it. Doesn't function. It just doesn't function otherwise. Um, but the other beautiful thing about what's happened for us, and I know it's happening in, in many marriages now, I get to look back now, we get to look back now over these last 40 plus years, because we were together for a couple years before we got married. But you know what really matters? There's a legacy of faith that's continuing now into another generation. Our kids are saved, their spouses are saved, and now we get to pray daily that our grandchildren will be saved. So when I told Tim, when he was talking about conflict, and you know Tim, he, he's kind of like, you got it, you okay, what are you going to talk about, how are you going to do this? I'm going, dude, don't, don't worry, I got it. It's, it's kind of what, what lead pastors do. And I don't blame him, especially because he's never even had the experience of me standing on stage and, and taking time. But I said, you know what, Tim, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll back through something that has been really, really effective for, for us. I don't know how many in here are familiar with it, but it's, it, it's, a, it's been out for a while. It's called Love and Respect. I know Scott and Shannon are familiar with it because we beat them to death with it when we did their premarital counseling. But I think they understand how it works. If you haven't heard about it, I love what Tim said. I said, Tim, you've ever heard of Love and Respect? He goes, looks at me and he says, yeah, Marty, it's a classic. And I'm going, classic. Let's see, classic music for me would be 50s. Classic music for most, some of you would be 90s? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> but anyway, it's a classic. So he knew that. I wasn't sure how to take that. But the way I'm looking at this is, yes, it's classic. Yes, it's timeless. And I just, I, I know, because I'm going to try to boil down a tw what used to be a 12-week class that, that Mary and I had the privilege of teaching at a, at a former church. I'm going to boil 12 weeks down into, oh, I've got about 20 minutes left. So... It's going to be a 30,000-foot view, but I know that it, it has the potential, if you'll apply it, to take a good marriage and make it better, a great marriage and make it something quite spectacular. So, so listen really quick. Um, I'm going to dive into this. It's timeless. It's going to be great. So here we go. In Ephesians, I loved it because Mark started with Ephesians 5, and he read through some of that, and as so often happens in the book of Ephesians, we don't get to Ephesians 5.33 very often. I think it's, a, it's a, an incredible scripture that if we can figure out and dissect it and talk about it a little bit, it's powerful. And I believe it's life-changing. And nothing in the Bible is not there for purpose. It's there because if we apply it, it can change some things. So you can read it, and this is the ESV version, which is the version that we typically use. It says, however, let each one of you love his wife as he loves himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Love and respect. It's an amazing combination, and, and if you read the NIV, it takes it even, I think, a little bit, it, it puts a, a a bit stronger statement in it. The NIV says, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and a wife must love her husband. I think that takes it from optional to rather commandish, like you need to do that unconditionally. If you can figure out a way to do it and do it consistently, It'll make a difference. And you don't, it really, when it says must, it means you need to do it. You have to do it. You must do it. 
You know, guys, getting married, whether you've been there or whether you're hopefully going there, getting married is the easy part. Matter of fact, I'm, gonna, I'm officiating a wedding at 4 o'clock today. And at some point in that wedding, I'm going to say this. Getting to this point today has been hard. It's always stressful. Some of you guys are fairly new in your marriage. You'll remember that. It's always stressful, right? It's always um, time-consuming. And oftentimes, it takes a lot of resources to get you there. Financially, maybe yours, maybe your parents'. Um, I don't know. But it's always, always hard. That day that you get married is the easy part. The hard part is staying happily married for 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, Lord willing. So anyway, I thought it was really interesting as we started studying love and respect and, and where it says that there must be a love extended by a husband to his wife and there must be respect. I'm, going, I, I, I'm kind of going, well, okay. Really? Are we sure of that? And then I start, we started dissecting conflict. I've had the privilege, Mary's had the privilege over the years, of being involved with quite a bit. I can't call it counseling because I'm not a professional counselor, but in, in our years at a, in church, we did a lot of marriage counseling, I guess, preparation, re- repair, restoration, whatever. But there was an interesting study that was done a fair number of years ago. 7,000 people, 7,000 men and women, were contacted in this study, and they asked, they said, in that time of conflict, because that's what we're talking about, we're talking about how, if we don't love one another, respect one another, I'm telling you, it always leads to conflict, or almost always does, but of those 7,000 people, I thought it was really profound, in conflict, in that time of disagreement, in that time of heated fellowship, shall we say, it said that 83% of men, it's a high percentage, it's not everybody, a high percentage, 83% of men in conflict with their significant other felt disrespected. That's a big number. The other side of that coin, 72% of women in conflict with their significant other felt totally unloved. You know what? It, it, it's so absolutely clear that when we don't love our wives well, when we don't respect our husbands, we get into conflict. And sometimes we stay in conflict. It's so simple. But yet, it's really, really complicated. Because we're complicated. Because we're different. Anybody in here know that men and women are different? I know that's a profound statement. Right? Anybody? You got, you got it, right? If you don't get it, You've been probably hanging out in a dark room with a video game for way too long and not hanging out with anybody from the opposite sex. But anyway, men and women are different. As a matter of fact, there's a verse in Scripture, Matthew 19, 4, that says that. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Yeah, God made us different. We're made in his image. We're equal, but we're different. There's a book out a few years ago, um, maybe more than a few years ago. It said, I think the title was, Men are from Venus or Mars, Women are from the other. Men are from Venus, Women are from Mars, or something like that. Maybe it's reverse. Okay, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Anyway, different planets on occasion. (laughs) 
Uh, there was another one out that had a, a, a good a Christian bent to it because the other one didn't. It was called Women Are Like Spaghetti, Men Are Like Waffles. Okay? And that, really the way to look at that is guys live their lives kind of in, in boxes. You go from box to box. I can go, I'm in my work box. I'm in my home box. I'm in my, I'm going to hang out with the kids box. I'm in my nothing box. For women, that's almost hard to believe that she can say something to a guy and say, honey, what are you thinking about? I'm in my nothing. I'm not thinking about anything. She's like, are you kidding me? You're not thinking about something? Anyway, it's possible because men live that way. They live in boxes. They're different. Women are like spaghetti. Again, most. Most women, everything just, it's like this big pile of everything blends together and this touches that and that impacts this. And it's just, it's a hot mess, really. And that's how God, <laughs> that, that may be how God, I, I believe that God purposely designed it that way. So just, just because we're wrong, just because we're wrong, it does not mean that we're, it, we're different. But that doesn't mean we're wrong. It's okay. Not wrong, just different. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how we slide into this. Got that? You like the, the slide? You like that, Chris? Mike? I'm going, to, I'm going to put a slide up. It talks about, this comes directly out of the book. There's a book called um, Love and Respect. This comes right out of it. And it talks about the crazy cycle, and for our purposes today, because I'm supposed to be teaching on conflict, we're going to call it the conflict cycle, okay? And what it basically is saying, back to loving and respecting, it says when you're with your significant other, with your spouse, and you say something that they perceive as unloving, Mark made a great example of it when he's saying, I'm in a conversation with my wife, and I know every answer. I know everything. I didn't get a chance to talk. It feels pretty unloving to most women for sure, but most men as well. So when you say something unloving to her, she's going to react in a way that is, you're going to perceive or is going to be perceived as disrespectful. Because men, most men, feel unloved when they're disrespected. And, and, and as you observe conversations with, with couples um, as you're out with, uh, with another couple or even sitting at a table next to somebody and you overhear that conversation, that's if they're actually out on a date and have a conversation and get off their stinking phones. That's a subject for another day. Listen to, this, listen to the conversation. A lot of times you'll hear, you'll hear a, a woman say something that you're like, oh my gosh, that was, really, that was really disrespectful. And then you'll hear him respond with something that's unloving, disrespectful, unloving, boom, 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 you start in what we'll call the conflict cycle or the crazy cycle. It's easy to get there, guys. And, and I, I love the way the, the, book, the book frames. I mean, we are so different. We're so different. When Mary tells me that she's going to be ready in five minutes, does that usually mean, does that really mean five minutes? No. Probably means 20 or so. And it probably means don't, please don't come in and tap your toe like this. No. Bad, 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 bad. If I'm, if I'm telling Mary, again, this just reflects on our differences. If I'm telling Mary, um, uh, what's for dinner tonight? It probably means, where is it? I'm hungry. Or how about if I say, can I help you with dinner? Mm, where is it? I'm hungry. doesn't usually mean this. Again, just reflecting that men and women are pretty different. But in, the, in, in love and respect in that crazy cycle... When you're in conflict, 
with your spouse, with your significant other, you're going to be able to tell when you have said something unloving to them or disrespectful from a, from a wife to a husband because you're going to see their spirit, their countenance. It's going to deflate. We've all seen it. You, you're all of a sudden in conversation and, and, and their face just goes different. Their face goes dark. Their eyes, they're just, there's the countenance changes. And the reality at that point in time is, honestly, women need to be loved by their husbands like they need air to breathe. They really do. Flip side of that, men need to be respected by their wives like the air that they breathe. So if you're in that conversation, if conflict is beginning to happen, you see that countenance change, more than likely you've gone out and stepped. Or maybe, if I, think, if I could jump from here down there and not hurt myself, I would. To do an example, I thought about doing it. But you've actually stepped on and shut down that life-giving air that they so desperately need. You're going to get there, and it's really hard to get out of. I mean, I've, we've worked with couples that are new in their marriages, that you are in a conversation with them for like five minutes. And you can all of, all of a sudden see, man, they've kicked into that conflict cycle. He said something that was unloving. She responded back by something that was disrespectful. Unloving, disrespectful, unloving, disrespectful. It's crazy, and it's conflict. And I see people that have been doing this for 20 years, Mary and I. Before we started actually getting involved in this and, and understanding the concept, um, understanding what, in this context, what Ephesians 5.33 was talking about, it was like a light bulb went on. I, I'm going, oh my gosh. We get into that conflict cycle because I said something to Mary that was unloving. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me as a guy because guys, we talk differently. We respond differently. But to her, it was unloving. Same thing. We'd get into this cycle and, I'd, and, and, and be like, oh my gosh, Mary, go, that was disrespectful, wasn't it? So yeah, it really was. We just had that this morning. Always happens. Always happens. You get to prepare to teach or do something like this. You always get to be the example. God always does that. We're here this morning, walking down the stairs. I've got a case of water in my hands. Mary says to me, wouldn't it be better to leave that case of water upstairs? Seems really simple. But I'm kind of like, what am I? You know, I perceive that as disrespect because you know why? I'm like, I'm smart enough to figure out whether or not it's good to take the water downstairs or leave the water upstairs. Stupid thing, stupid example, but reality. And oftentimes, I might have, I might even have this morning, but we were too busy. I might have responded sarcastically or in a way that was unloving to her. And I'm telling you, we would have started around and around and around we would have gone so it's easy to get into you've got to recognize it you've got to figure out how to exit it because it's all conflict it's all conflict i mean there's so much teaching out there about conflict resolution i, I in marriages i i was looking you know you, I mean, you can find all kinds of stuff i've got books on my shelf about conflict resolution in marriage i could have gone a lot of different directions but I chose this because it's had the biggest impact on us personally and dozens of couples over the years. It, it, it truly has. Um, how do you avoid it? How, how is it possible? No, not all the time. 
because we're two imperfect people entering into a, a marriage relationship. So we're not always going to do it and do it well. You know what? In marriage, in relationship, I hope that you figure out how to extend that umbrella of grace wide over one another. I really do. But one of the best ways, I mean, I, I, Proverbs 21:23 says, he who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from truther, troubles. James talks about, we're all familiar with that, always be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. If you kind of apply those principles, you might avoid entering into that cycle. Maybe you'll get to the place where we did, where I can actually, because I thought about what I'm saying, not all the time, because I am an unloving jerk at times. I really am. Mary can be disrespectful occasionally. And we do get in it, 40 years, yeah, we get in that cycle. We get in that conflict cycle. But maybe if you would just get to the place where you'd think before you spoke and say something or think something like, and what I am, is what I'm about to say, is it unloving? Is what am I, I'm about to say going to be perceived by my husband as disrespectful? Is there a way that I might be able to say that in a more loving way or more, a, more, a less disrespectful way? It really, really does work. God, you're, he, he talked about it earlier. Your, your words, both directions, just crush your spouse. They crush your spouse. Those words can be harsh. They can be angry. They can be critical, condescending. How about sarcastic? It's like our universal love language now, sarcasm. And in, re, in marriage, in relationship, man, you've got to be careful. I know when I'm sarcastic at the wrong time with Mary, it, 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 it is really, really unloving to her. And she may respond back in a way that gets us rolling in that conflict cycle. Something that's so, so, so important, I think, for you all to remember, for all of us to remember in all of this, you know what, you, you get to choose in conflict how you're going to respond. Your response to that disrespectful or unloving word, your response to that is your own responsibility. It's all on you. It's not on your spouse. What your spouse or significant other says to you, I mean, I, that's tough. That's ugly. That can be... But, but how you respond really reveals more about who you are and where your heart is than it does their issues. It really does. You've got to remember that. You have to remember that how you respond, it's on you. You can choose to respond in a different way, and it'll make a ton of difference. It really will. I, I love Ephesians 4.29. I, I, I just love it. It says... Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth other than what is good for building up as it fits the occasion and may give grace to those who hear. Take, take that unwholesome out and plug in disrespectful or unloving. That's a great verse to think about as you choose to respond. And sometimes, you know what, you may, you may say all the right things. Your response may be exactly what 
honors Jesus. Your, 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 your response may be one that you, look, you, you would think, man, my spouse is, this is going to work. This is going to work because I got this respect and unloving thing down. It doesn't always happen that way because, again, we're imperfect people. But when that happens, I love this picture that they painted in, in one of these, in this love and respect book. When your spouse doesn't respond that way, and you're thinking about, man, how I respond to my responsibility, get this mental picture in your mind. Jesus is standing over the shoulder of your spouse, looking back at you. Will you honor him in how you're going to say that? Will you? Do this unto me. Because ultimately to not do that goes back to Ephesians 5.33, you must love, you must respect. To not do that is disobedient to Jesus. You know what? And in conflict, in general, when you're, when you're in this conflict cycle and it's round and round and round and you can't seem to get yourself out of it, you just, someone needs to go for, in conflict, somebody needs to take the first step towards resolution. Somebody's got to do it. Who's it going to be? How about the most mature one? Ooh, that could create conflict in and of itself. Who's more mature? I don't know. Whoever goes first. Whoever chooses to be the one to exit out of that and maybe say, you know what? What I just said to you, I can see it in your face. What I just said to you must have been unloving or disrespectful. How about this? Will you forgive me? I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? Mark talked about that. Guys, a great marriage, great relationship, exiting out of conflict consistently takes two people that are great forgivers. If you're not good at forgiving, you're going to stink at marriage. You really are. Um, yeah, I'm down to that time. So, I mean, there's, there's a ton of stuff. There's a book. I, I, I would recommend it to anybody. As Tim said, it's a classic, so it might be old. It might be in its second print. I don't know. But there's a book called Love and Respect. It goes, obviously, way deeper than what I can even do in 30 minutes or so that I've got. It, it'd be well worth your investment of time. Sometimes they have love, love and respect conferences. He talked about investing in your marriage. Best investment we ever made. It really was. I mean, now, now we get to the point where if I can see Mary deflate, I can actually look at her and not have it be weird for me to say, did, did I just say something that was unloving? Because what you said to me was kind of disrespectful. It sounds weird. It sounds hard to do. But if you, if you, can, get in that, if you can get in that place where you do it, try it. If you're in conflict, because I know right now not one of you sitting here has a perfect marriage. You just don't. I don't. I don't, regardless of what you may see on Facebook, most people don't. They don't. They don't have perfect marriage. But try it. Apply it. See what happens. Grab the book. Study it with your spouse. And the last thing that, that I really wanted to, to talk about with you guys, because I believe it really ties in well to conflict, um, probably about, we've been married 40 years, so this was probably 8 to 10 years into our marriage, Finally, Mary got saved. Finally, I got saved. We were still struggling with some things. It wasn't easy. 
Um, but remember, it's now worth it that, that all this worked out. But our, our trajectory was not good. Our marriage wasn't good. Even though we were saved at that point in time, we hadn't been through love and respect yet. We, hadn't, we were new in our faith. But we, we had a, a, a downward trajectory. There was, there was no doubt about that. Um, I went to a conference, and this will date me because most of you sitting here won't probably even remember, but I went to a conference. It's called Promise Keepers. Anybody here remember Promise Keepers? Okay, so some of you remember the Promise Keepers movement. We were in Colorado at the time. Um, I was in on the early stages of that and then on to the large stadium events that they did. Um, really cool story uh, for me anyway. Uh, at a Promise Keepers conference, my, my dad, who was, he was in his 70s probably at that point in time, got saved at a Promise Keepers conference. And I had the privilege of worshiping in that conference with my, my son, who knew Jesus, with my dad, who now knew Jesus, three generations. Now I got another one coming, prayerfully. Anyway, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw up this last slide. And the reason that I'm going to do this is because I think of all the things that have helped us understand each other, understand God, love each other, be consistent. This is, this is going to be it. So I'm going I'm to do something here. Let's see. There's like about 50 people in this row. Samson, you guys, your row. Everybody else stay sitting. You, that row, stand up. Looks like you need to stand up anyway. Okay, so just stand up. Stand up. I'm not going to do anything weird. I'm really, I promise I'm not. I'm going to use you as an example. No, I'm not. So you see, one, two, three, four, five, six, about 50 people in here. That's higher than 10%. Okay? You see that number of people? Look around. Everybody else is sitting down. You guys can sit. See, was that easy or what? Now you're wide awake again. Throw up that last, that last slide. Our marriage changed dramatically. The nose came up in a, what was going to be a plane crash, for sure. It was going to be. I believe that one of the, and Mary would agree with this, probably the pivotal moment in our, in our lives, in our relationship, when, was we, when we learned to pray together as a couple. The reason I had those six people stand up, because in most churches, eight out of, two out of ten couples, that number out of a room this size, consistently pray together as a couple. I, lo I love this because this triangle thing is so absolutely true. As a husband and a wife, you're moving up that triangle. You become one. You start moving up the triangle. The closer that you guys get to each other, the closer that you get to God, the closer you get to each other. I believe that, I mean, there's a lot of ways to, be, to, to, to get close to God, but one of the greatest ways is, is praying. When you pray together, as a couple, consistently, it'll change things. I promise that it will. Is it easy? Nope. I remember the first time I came home from that conference and I said, eh, we got, we're struggling. Why don't we try this? What do we got to lose? And I'm telling you, that first time that I sat down and held Mary's hand and started praying with her, it was awkward. It really was. And we're, again, our marriage isn't perfect. Um, we, we still struggle. We still get into that conflict crazy cycle. We really do. 
but I would say over the last 35 years, since we've made that a consistent practice, not every day probably, but uh, most days, for sure. Even when I used to travel, I used to call Mary on the phone and we'd pray together over the phone. Guys, it took the trajectory from this to this. And now we're, we're, we're kind of flying like this. We got a few of these every once in a while. We got a couple that go up here and some like this. And but but it, it pulled the nose up for us. It made all the difference in the world. It really did. And I'm not going to call you out and say, are you doing that? But being, I've, I've been talking about this. Every class that I've ever taught that we've been involved in, I always pound on this because I'm passionate about it because it made a difference. So if you're new in your marriage and you've never done that before, consistently, start. It's incredibly intimate. It really is. It's pretty difficult. Your heart's really in a dark place if you can pray with and for your spouse and not be totally honest and transparent. It, 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 it draws you together. It, it really, really does. And it'll change things really encourage you to start that. If you, I don't care if you've been married 10 years, 12 years, 15 years. Man, guys, single guys, single ladies. Um, I, I know some couples who choose not to do that before they get married because it's, it is pretty intimate. But if you can figure out how to, and I hope you can, how to walk that line um, between spiritual intimacy and physical intimacy, I'd, I'd encourage you, man. Ladies, you, somebody asked me today, how do, how do I find that guy? Find a guy that prays. Find a guy that says, you know what? You got a test coming up, or you're struggling with something at work. Can I pray for you? You're starting down the right track. Starting to find the right guy. You really are. Nothing wrong with a lady praying for a guy. Guys, consider it. Matter of fact, I'm going to I finally, I'm so relentless on this. One class that we had, we used to teach a young marriage class, and uh, one of the guys finally came up. He stood up in class. He goes, can we just do this so he, so they stop bugging us about it every week? So I'm just telling you. I'm challenging you. Try it. Seven days. I kind of hate that seven-day challenge, but I got to, you know, got an elephant in the room, you got to take small bites. But if you start it, and you begin to see how you're, how things change, and how it helps you avoid conflict, stay out of conflict. Hard, worth it, absolutely. So I'm going to pray. Let Tim ask, uh, get us in a group and ask some questions. Grab that book. Love one another. Respect one another. Pray with one another. Watch Jesus change things. Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together to talk about things that are challenging and difficult. But God, to bring it back to understanding that, God, your intention for our marriages, for our relationships, is that they image and glorify you well. Father, I pray for any marriage in here today that's struggling. God, I pray for any marriage in here today that, you, that, that, that we think is great. I pray, God, that we would take those to a place by applying your word, by loving and respecting and honoring one another. We would take them to a place that people would see them, 
People who don't know Jesus, our friends, our family, our coworkers, and they would just go, what is it that you have? Why is it so different? Why when we get in conflict, when you and your husband are in conflict, why do you, are you able to navigate it and get out of it? And we can look back at them and say, Jesus, he saved us. He redeemed us, and that's what he's doing daily in our marriage. In Jesus' name, amen.